0: Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to this week at Marvel, episode number six hundred and nineteen. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M,
1: and I am pretty sure that I am Angelique Rocher. Hello! Hey, hey, hey,
0: hey, hey, hey! <laughs> How you living?
1: Oh, you know, I'm good because it. I mean, it's a little less hot here in New Orleans. Um, I'm, and and notice I said it's not cool. It's just a little less hot here because it's been raining. And now I feel like it's a normal, it's normal now. because am glad wasn't you guys raining. got rain. Glad That's what I'm saying. Like, rain. it wasn't raining. Like, normally during this time of the year, it rains all the time. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been raining all the time. And now it's just like, the thunder is like moving people's homes. It is, is shaking <laughs> so much. Um, so I'm good. How are you, man?
0: Good. We're in the midst of a heat wave here in mm. New York, which Ew. ain't fun. But theoretically, once we get past this week, it's like straight into fall. Oh.
1: But, you know, we should probably say what we always say every single week. This is the official Marvel podcast where we get to talk about all things happening
0: this week in Marvel. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about games, comics, books, toys, movies, TV, all the things that we're excited about. We've got all that and more. Plus, even later on in the show, we got you a Marvel Insider Code. Woo-woo!
1: Uh, and this week, we're actually talking to uh, Melissa Flores, writer mm-hmm. of the upcoming Spider-Gwen Smash. Smash. Um, smash. Smash, smash, smash. But first up, I am very excited. Something near and dear to my heart. That's right. It is a time to assemble for a new season of Marvel's original podcast series, Women of Marvel. Uh, so we got a little bit of change coming up for those who are Women of Marvel fans. It is going to be launching on Wednesdays uh, for this season. Um, I'm really excited because actually earlier this week, uh, I'm making it sound like it's happening next week, but earlier this week, um, Women of Marvel, is she back um, and they return for a fall season with a brand new format and a new host. I'm so excited um, for those who are familiar with our Spidey-loving writer. The one, the only, the brilliant, accomplished author, Preeti Chibber, is going to be joining the wonderful and amazing My former co-host, Marvel's Publishing Executive Director for Digital Content, that's right, Ellie Pyle. It's going to be so much fun, but don't take my word for it. Here's what host Ellie Pyle had to say about the new season.
2: This season on Women of Marvel, we are focusing on a different character every episode, and we bring in a ton of guests writers, actors, scientists to talk about people's powers. It's so cool. We look at each of these characters as a deep dive from all possible angles. And the first episode this week is about Jean Grey, who was one of the first Marvel characters that I totally fell in love with. And we actually throughout the season get to talk several times to people who worked on the X-Men animated series, uh, which was so close to my heart because that was really my gateway into Marvel. So those interviews in particular, I am a total fangirl about. And, uh, during the Jean Grey episode, we talked to a lot of different folks. I spoke to a journalist about Jean's impact on the queer community. We, you know, were able to look at Jean from a lot of different angles. And there are a lot of different angles to look at Jean from.
1: So fans can listen to all new episodes of Women of Marvel every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, For more information on Women of Marvel, please visit marvel.com slash women of
0: Marvel. All right. We are about five weeks out from New York Comic Con 2023, October 12th through the 15th. And we're starting to get our first bits of information. Such as things that we're going to be doing at the booth, things that we're going to be doing around the show, like, panels uh we will have broadcast we announced this week that myself ryan pinagos along with josh soleil langston belton raylo and michael chujillo will be doing our live stream from the con so make sure you tune into that we'll give you more info on that and all the places you can watch it soon but we did announce a bunch of panels uh on thursday october 12th we have avengers assemble a this week in marvel special event how about that? That is happening 3.15 to 4.15 p.m. Room 409. I will be there alongside Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sobolski, Executive Editor Tom Rebort, writers Jed McKay and Al Ewing to talk about, well, Avengers. Hmm. We'll see what we uh, reveal, what we talk about, what we look back upon. Oh, and of course, stick around to the end of that panel for an exclusive giveaway. So that's our first panel of the show, but we got many more on Friday, October 13th. Ooh, Friday the 13th. That's a good one. Uh, we've got the Amazing Spider-Man Gang War panel from 315 to 415 in room 409. That will be moderated by our pal, Executive Spider-Man editor Nick Lowe, alongside editor-in-chief C.B. Sabolski, writer Zeb Wells, writer Erica Schultz, who was recently on the show here, writer Greg Pak. Woohoo! Yeah, Yay, we love Greg. And more, and of course, stay to the end for that one for an exclusive giveaway. Then at 4.30 to 6 p.m. in room 409. I feel like we're taking over 409. Give it to us. Uh, it is the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game, the official New York Comic-Con live play. That's 4.30 to 6 o'clock there. There'll be some fun times as uh, we have mighty Marvel guests playing the big Marvel Multiverse role-playing game, which whenever I play it, I like to cause chaos. I'm just shouting it out to my my friends now. You want me in there? I'm going to make it messy. All right, Saturday, October 14th, we have Marvel Fanfare with C.B. Sobolski. That is 145 to 245 in room <gasps> C.B., you be betrayed us, room 405. That is our editor-in-chief, C.B. Sobolski, joined by a whole bunch of people, some mystery guests right now. As we get closer to the convention, we will tell you more about that. Lots of Q&A, lots of cool stuff, I'm sure, revelations, and a very special giveaway in that panel. Also on Saturday, October 14th, the Marvel Next Big Thing panel, 3.15 to 4.15 p.m., also in room 405. This is a big one. It's hosted by Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Cebulski, joined by some good dudes, including Jerry Duggan, writer of X-Men and many more. Jonathan Hickman, writer of Gods and Ultimate Universe. Jed McKay, writer of Avengers and Moon Knight. And get ready for announcements, Speak. Peaks, some big things, some teases, plenty, plenty more. Ooh, it says, including a special look at the biggest Marvel comic story of 2024. Dun, dun, dun. And there will be a giveaway in that one. And then on Sunday, October 15th, there's the Women of Marvel panel. Woohoo! 145 to 245 in. We're back at it. Room 409. Hosted by Ellie Pyle, who is Executive Director of Digital Content. Also, you may know her from the Women of Marvel podcast. Joined by Jen Grunwald. Yay! Love Jen. And some of Marvel's mightiest women telling what it's like working in the industry. It's always a banger of a panel. There's a giveaway at the end. Going to be super, super cool. There's also a Marvel Move panel. But we haven't locked in all the details. I can't tell you who's going to be on. I can't tell you when because it's not on the official website yet. But, like, whatever. I'm saying we're doing a panel. That's going to be great. We're going to share some stuff. It's going to be fun. Stay tuned for that and all of our New York Comic Con news in the coming weeks. All right. We've got Marvel Legends news coming. There's always Ooh. cool stuff happening if you're a fan of the uh, probably the greatest toy line in history. I'm just saying Yeah, that. No,
1: I, I I honestly would agree with you. Yeah. The detail, the mm. love, the, the everything, yeah.
0: the everything. Yeah. Uh, But our pals at Hasbro are actually having a Marvel Legends fan stream on September 8th at 11 a.m. Eastern on the Hasbro Pulse YouTube channel. Now, that is the day our episode goes live. So it's kind of like now or in the past, depending on who you were listening to it. But since we release our episode before their fan stream, we can't talk about it this week, but it's cool and it's big and we will be talking about it plenty more. I promise you. It's time to talk about some updates to Marvel Move. As you may recall, last week we launched the Marvel audio storytelling fitness app, Marvel Move, and uh, it, it's going along swimmingly. Now, if you want a taste of what's in store when you sign up for Marvel Move, make sure you didn't miss the special bonus episode of This Week in Marvel that we released just earlier this week. Download it now, give it a listen. It has clips from our X Men, Hulk, Thor and Loki, and Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch stories. Um, but it's very cool and we are giving new content multiple times every week this week we have new episodes of X-Men Age of Orcus it's episode four this episode's called Antarctic Assault and you know if you're not a runner and you need a little training we have the Thor and Loki 5k training this week we are releasing three episodes for week three the way the training goes you should really do three training you know um, sessions a week and these mix running walking and movements but if you are already a runner we have the same story in Thor and Loki Trials of the Ten Realms, Episode 7, 8, and 9. You're going to join Thor and Loki as they head to Nidavellir, the land of the dwarves. It's got gnarly monsters. It's got dwarves who just hate Loki. All the different ways we could call him like Prince of Liars, Loki silver tongue, all kinds of stuff. They just like dripping with hate and annoyance at him. Um, there's a whole section where you have to chase sheep, which sounds ridiculous. And it no, is—it's so fun. It is very ridiculous as you have our Thor is like, like creeping up on sheep and like whispering to them. It's really funny. It's really good. Uh, I'm very I happy. I feel
1: like it. if you download this app, this uh, app and mm-hmm. you do everything that Ryan is saying, that you'll be a runner in a snap.
0: Ooh, what perfect way to get us into our next story, Angelique.
1: Uh, So Marvel Snaps' new season is here. That's it. Speaking of Loki, uh, Loki for all time. There are new characters. That's right, new characters. The new season pass character is Loki. So it's three cost, five power. On reveal, replace your hand with cards from your opponent's starting deck. They get negative
0: one cost. Ooh,
1: rude. No,
0: it, that that is good. So like if you- I mean, it's
1: great for you, but rude for the person you're playing against. Right?
0: If they had like Kitty Pride, then you would automatically get a free Kitty Pride to run through the whole game and she just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And st- stuff like that um, wow. could be fun. Yeah, it's neat.
1: Also, you'll get Aliath, uh six cost, five power on reveal. Destroy all enemy cards played here this turn, including- unrevealed cards. Ooh. Uh Mobius is going to be uh two cost, three power ongoing. Your costs cannot be increased. Your opponent's costs can't be reduced. Ooh. And Ravona. Hey boo. Uh that's a three cost, three power ongoing. Your cards with one or less power cost one less. Minimum one. Uh, So new locations are also going to be involved in this brand new season pack. That's Mount Vesuvius. Players can't retreat after turn five. And then Time Theater. Copy the last card you drew instead of drawing your next card. Yo. And on top of that, in very low-key fashion, there's dozens of new variants, including, oh my gosh, and I love it, Maria Wolf, who is a just the brilliant past. artist and also just a very nice human being. She's the uh, best. Warpath, a Jim Lee Emma Frost. Plus, as always, there will be many, 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 many bundles, sales, specials, and gameplay and card updates all season long. And don't forget to log into Steam so you can claim your free Devil Dinosaur mech variant. You can download Marvel Snap now from the app Store, Google Play, and Steam on p c
0: woo there Woo-hoo.
1: we go. I mean it feels like Marvel Snap keeps growing <laughs> I'm sorry i'm I'm just I'm you're, bad today
0: you know you're you're doing well. you're trying to segue the hell out of the story, and I appreciate it.
1: I tried, but it it didn't get there. yeah, this one's know. tough
0: uh but maybe we're growing the library of episodes of Marvel Studios I am Groot because season two is now streaming on Disney plus there's five all new shorts they're so good they're our favorite boy is back there's one that is I mean they're all bonkers in their own way but there's one that even may feature a character who appears elsewhere in our uh Marvel Studios series so I guess you're just gonna have to watch all five episodes streaming right now on Disney plus
1: Do it. Go. Mm, mm, Don't mm, leave mm. us. You should stay here because we still have comics to talk
0: about. We got some book news this week because Spider-Man's Bad Connection is out now. It's written by friend of the show and co-host of Women of Marvel, Preeti Shibber. And Spider-Man's Bad Connection is the second novel after the acclaimed and beloved Spider-Man Social Dilemma in a new series chronicling teenage Peter Parker's first adventures of Spider-Man. It's delightful. And look, oh, wait, what's this? Here's Preeti talking about it right now.
2: In the second book, the sort of like bigger threat that they uncovered in the first book which if you haven't read it I won't I won't get too spoilery um is maybe gone is maybe not gone they're not sure but they know there's another villain on the horizon who is leaving these mysterious spots everywhere what could they be um and so yeah it's it's an adventure it's super fun it's a kid lit book so it is written for ages 10 to 14 and if you like spider-man and peter parker highly recommend picking it up because i love spider-man and peter parker (laughs) Uh, also, the new season of Women of Marvel just launched. Uh, you can find
1: our very first episode all about Jean Grey wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, the two worlds of two Spider-Man collide in the new ongoing Infinity Comic series, Spider-Man Unlimited. That's right. Spider-Man Unlimited is going to be the latest ongoing series exclusive to the Marvel Unlimited app, and it will drop new issues each Tuesday. That's right. Each Tuesday set in the current continuity of Spider-Man comics. And in its opening 12-part arc from creators Christos Cage, Simone Bufantino, and Fies Sucuente Suho, readers will be treated to one of the most thrilling crossovers of the Spider-Verse yet. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the first ever face-to-face meeting between Peter Parker of Earth-616 huh? and Peter Parker from the world of PlayStation's Marvel's Spider-Man.
0: And what perfect timing, because we are... What, like so six six weeks away from the release so of Marvel Spider-Man 2, exclusively for PlayStation 5? <laughs>
1: I'm so excited. Uh, first issue is out now, and to learn more, you know what? Do what you do. Head over to
0: marvel.com. And make sure you are subscribed to Marvel Unlimited to read Spider-Man Unlimited. It's so
1: good. Oh yeah, because we actually did some really cool Marvel Unlimited announcements uh, last week, so there's lots of reasons to mm-hmm. go gets on Z, Marvel Unlimited, besides the fact that there is a cornucopia
3: Ooh. Mm. of
1: comics for you to read. So why don't you move on over... Sp-
0: Speaking of books, as we have, there's a book out right now. It's Lookout for the Little Guy. It is, of course, the memoir for Scott Lang. Of course, in Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Scott Lang has written a memoir about his life as a superhero and an Avenger, and it's a bestseller. So now in close association with Marvel Studios and the filmmakers, Hyperion Avenue has brought the book to real life. It features Scott oh, okay. Lang's just Honest, honest accounts of his struggles and triumphs, including the official account of what really happened between the Avengers and Thanos. Get your copy now, 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 now. now.
1: Uh, the the statements of honest and yeah. the statements of true and the statements. Honest and true. I'm just ready. Honest and true. I'm just kind of like, okay, Scott like Yeah. I'm ready for honest it. and true. It's, it sounds like it's gonna be adorable. Um also in book news uh I'm really excited because Earth's Mightiest Heroes Assemble to Uplift, Inspire and Unite in Marvel's Voices Avengers number 1. That's right, the Marvel Universe has always strived to reflect the world outside your window and Marvel's Voices has been painting that world outside your window in all of the amazing um diversity and inclusiveness that comes with it so you know we've kind of worked this year to put a lot of different anthologies out Um, we've had Marvel's Voices Spider-Verse we've had Marvel's versus X-Men and now we've got Marvel's Voices Avengers so I'm really excited because we got a brand new anthology Marvel's Voices Avengers number one the covers are so pretty the pages are so gorgeous It's so good. It's so good. Um, And just like every other Marvel's Voices book, it's going to come with an introduction, interviews, background, and all of the incredible stories from these awesome artists and amazing, amazing writers. Ryan, I know you're really excited about the cast because it is amazing, amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, the full list is on Marvel.com, but we're like actor Utkarsh Abudkar, who was on this week in Marvel in 2020, uh, who is just wonderful. He's on the show Ghosts right now, which my wife absolutely loves. So Utkarsh is writing a story, which is great. One of my favorite humans, Robbie Thompson, is back at Marvel writing a story. He helped bring Silk to life in, in really great ways. I love Robbie. I want to kiss his eyeballs. Uh, Robbie's <laughs> writing a story in the book. Uh, we've got Jason Concepcion coming in there. We love Jason. Jason's gonna be in there. Um, Justina Ireland, who's been doing some really cool stuff on yes. Star Wars. I mean, yes. there's just some really great. We're gonna have uh, Photon Story. I know you like that. We got Ghost Rider. We, we got like more Monica
1: Rambeau. Mm-hmm. How dare yeah, yeah, you? Yeah.
0: So all the full <laughs> details are gonna be up on Marvel.com. But this is gonna be a good one.
1: Um. I I will say this. What I love is every week, uh, Ryan comes out with his picks. And sometimes me and Ryan agree, and sometimes Mm -hmm. me and Ryan don't Mm -hmm. agree. Um, I agree with at least one of your picks as a top pick this week. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to like Bogart this and Do be like, it. can we talk about Ghost Rider yes. Wolverine first though?
0: Yes. Weapons of Vengeance Omega is out this week. That's the uh, the final part of the crossover between Ghost Rider and Wolverine written by Benjamin Percy, art by Jeff Shaw. And it is brutal.
1: And just the kind of comic that Ryan Penagos loves.
0: I love the gory <laughs> stuff. And Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Weapons of Vengeance is gory. All right. So you're going to have
1: to tell me why your other two picks like I know why they're good, but like I need to understand why you decided your your top two picks are Dr. Strange seven and Fantastic Four number 11. And I want to know what you loved about these two, specifically you, because um, they're a little different than Ghost Rider and Wolverine.
0: Yeah, well, Doctor Strange 7, written by Jed McKay with art by Pasquale Ferry, uh, is basically General Strange, a a version of Doctor Strange that has been at war for 5,000 years, that has replaced parts of his body with parts from his fallen foes as he's gone on. He has broken free from the cage that he was imprisoned in, and he is out for vengeance. This is a Doctor Strange who has been fighting for 5,000 years, but he, he basically shows up, he's like i am gonna mess y'all up I'll expecting I'll be expecting you and he like pieces out but you get a bunch of answers to a bunch of questions but it is a gorgeous 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 comic book pascal ferry's art it all his long and storied career probably never looked better there's this big splash page where dr strange basically like does a shuriken uppercut to uh one of the the bad guys in the issue and it's just a stunning stunning splash page it's a really cool it elevates a lot of what's going on it brings a bunch of new mysteries it sets things off this this is probably my favorite doctor strange era of all time like maybe my favorite doctor strange book and i i have some favorites but this is this is crushing it so so good and then my other pick would be fantastic four number 11 which is you know i i decided this week i wanted just like your standard issues in in these ongoing series because they're really good. They deserve the spotlight. This one's written by Ryan North with art by Iban Coelho and Jesus Abritov, and it's uh, basically Ben Grimm and a dog saving the family. And it is funny. And it, it, what I really appreciate is it reminds you that oh yeah, Ben Grimm was a uh was piloting the spaceship that they went on he's not a dummy he may sound gruff at times but he's a clever cat and he's
1: astronaut
0: exactly oh, so good uh it's a lot of fun has twists and turns it's basically uh, a dude and a dog having an adventure to save the people that they love and it's it's really wonderful Angelique, you like you will love this issue so it's
1: so it's like an an afternoon special and I kind of love it yeah a dude and his dog
0: a dude and his dog
1: alright so that's it for our comics this week that's not all the comics so make sure you're going to check out on marvel.com to see what's coming out this week uh, it is updated weekly
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, there's a theme there uh, but coming up our chat with Spider-Gwen Smash writer Melissa Flores
0: Welcome back. You are listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Penagos.
1: And I am even more certain that I'm Angelique Rocher.
0: Well, I'm glad. It took a, it only took like 15 minutes for you to, yeah, to you remind know, just, yourself who you just are. Yeah,
1: it's half of the show. Yeah.
0: And now we're about to talk with Melissa Flores, the writer of Spider Gwen Smash, um, getting into uh, what she's working on there and, and the fun of. Like playing in alternate universes, coming up with new characters, having some fun, thinking about musicians and all that kind of stuff with with the best. Angelique, are you ready to rock out? Because our <laughs> guest right now is Melissa Flores, who is writing a freaking Spider-Gwen series for us. Hello, Melissa. Hello.
3: And now I want to listen to every hair metal band song in the world. So thank you for that.
0: You're I mean, welcome. I feel
1: like there's always time for hair metal. Yeah.
0: Melissa, we want to know what's your Marvel origin story? How'd you first become a fan or just get like associated with, connected to, um, learn about the Marvel character stories? Was it under ruse? Was it a cartoon? Was it a movie? Was it a comic? What was it for you?
3: I mean, the X Men animated series, I think for me was always, you know, I, I fell in love with Rogue, always fell in love with Rogue. And then as I grew up, the, the obviously the X Men movies uh were huge for me i uh didn't come from a household that really read comics i um was a second generation uh mexican american my dad is from jalisco my mom's from texas but um it was all girls and my dad obviously worked all day so there wasn't really an opportunity to get to know comics super super well um i actually fell in love in love with comics much later in life so my first introduction to the marvel stuff was uh that kind of new media. So it was either animated series or it was the movies. And and that's how I fell in love with those characters. And being at the time uh, a queer Latina who didn't know she was queer, uh, I really started to resonate with the X-Men and what that meant what that was like and 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 feeling like you just there's something different about you, but you didn't know what it was. And um and as I grew up and started to really fall in love with comics, uh, then I, I really, really connected to Tom Taylor's uh Wolverine run. And, um, I just I loved Laura Kinney so much. And obviously America Chavez was like the first time I felt seen. And uh, and that's kind of how I just started falling in love with Marvel um, and, and and it was it was really cool, really fun. And so then uh, when I started writing comics, I got an email from an incredible editor who asked me if I would be interested in being in the Women in Marvel anthology yeah. series
1: speaking of America Chavez right yeah, because yeah you actually um did a short for that man I was really 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 excited because you did like that first short with America Chavez and Kate Bishop who y- you can't go wrong like no. I don't I don't care if you put America and Kate on a page like uh, uh, yeah. I'm in
3: I mean I was I came from licensed books I mean I was uh, a power Rangers executive for like the first Fifteen years before I even started all this, and so like it was so surreal to me that they were like, "Oh, right, whoever you want." I'm like, oh, "Okay, can I can I have America?" They're like, "Sure." Like, "Okay, can I get Kate too?" Sure. Can I have, like, Starling? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh! It was pretty crazy. And then, you know, for eight pages, I read, like, 200 pages of material because I wanted to make sure I knew exactly where these characters were and and what their challenges were. And, like, I wanted to see if I could find a story in eight pages that really resonated with what they were thinking and going through. But the idea that, like, me, I could write an America Chavez story and have it, like, be in an actual Marvel book was mind-blowing for me. Yeah,
1: and I think it's interesting because you talk about the Power Rangers of it all, right? Mm-hmm. You know, now you're dipping your toes into the Marvel universe. Like, yeah. you know, what excites you the most about that?
3: I mean, these are <sighs> these are characters that I I've grown up with. They're they're incredibly iconic and I've seen the transformation of these superheroes and I love the evolution of the brand and, and the, the way that these heroes are transformed and the way they change with the time. And, and it's all based on the people that, that are writing them. You see the stories that are being put into these arcs and how they change based on uh, the generation that is writing these characters. And I find that super fascinating because these are all meant to be superheroes they are all meant to come from different directions and different inspirations, but you always see the reflection of the writer and the artist in these stories. And and for me, um, taking these characters that mean so much to so many people. I mean, I that first run of Spider Gwen, I I was obsessed with that run, and and so to be told, hey, you know, Echo, who is uh, deaf, who is half Cherokee, like these are people, um, these are there's, these are women, strong women who have these incredible, incredibly complicated histories, and we get to tell them in um, in a way that celebrates their heroism but also gives them these flaws. That's what I love about Marvel. Um the the, the freedom that is is given to um the, the writer from these editors and to, to be able to tell these stories in a fun dynamic way. I feel like that's really unique in the licensed space and I'm super grateful for it.
0: Yeah, it's thinking about it from from your other perspective though. I'm curious just that history you said you have 15 years as an executive working yeah. on Power Rangers which And I'm writing Power Rangers now,
3: believe it or not. So Yeah, I'm writing which, the comic book, which books.
0: is cool. Yeah. That that's got to give you such an interesting perspective that, you know, we talk about anybody can come to Marvel and tell stories. You know, like everybody has a different background. We have people who are journalists, we have people who come from theater, we have people who are in movies, television. But like coming from a, a, a almost like the side that oversees this to see how to tell that story. You say it's mind blowing, but at the same time, like that's it feels like a natural extension because you've already probably been telling these stories in many ways.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me because I feel like um, with my position being unique, because I was the, the licensor, um and I had to sometimes give the crazy notes that maybe the writer wanted to hate me for, I feel like I can be very open to the collaboration process, because I know where people are coming from when they're saying you can't do that. Uh, Because I know usually there's a lot bigger reasons as to why you can't do something. And so I feel like that's really helped me in my career as a writer because I see that perspective. I see where people are coming from. Um, I become, especially with licensed book, I become less uh, blocked off to that kind of creative note. Even if I really, really want something, there has to be a reason why somebody's reacting that way. And so um, one of the things that I really tried to work on when I was an executive was finding the note behind the note. Um, like if I was getting a note from... Um, my vp or my president or whoever and i disagreed with the note i would try to find out okay what is it they're actually reacting to and what's the problem and so that's kind of how i try to take it um as a writer as well um especially if it's something i feel strongly about it's like hey okay usually i'm happy taking any note but if there's one that i'm really just like oh but this is kind of central to the story then i'm just i mean okay what is it they're reacting to and what can i do uh to find the way out i think um bill hader he said something really interesting to me where um he said that when somebody gives you a note um and i'm not talking about executives but just general people in general they're reading a story if they give you a note um they're always right about the note they're usually wrong about the solution and um and i thought that was really interesting and this is not this is not editors editors are usually right about every solution <laughs> but in general um it usually um it helps me try to think of of different ways to to um to come up with a solve to tell the story that i feel should be told but also that fits within the narrative of the brand uh what best positions the brand and the stories they want to tell because it is a team and truly i wouldn't have the opportunity to do that if not for these amazing people that are giving me this trusting me to tell these kinds of stories
0: yeah. It is a difficult balance at times, but once you get into those rhythms, like knowing how to give and take and those things, it's it's super important. I, I love the Power Rangers of it all because I didn't grow up a Power Rangers kid. I'm like a little bit too old to have, I guess, like experienced it. But were you a Power Rangers fan or is it just like, this is, this is the road I got to into my career?
3: No, actually, I was a little too old for Power Rangers when it first came on. I was... Um... I was obsessed with Shira. I was obsessed with Xena, and then and then I just kind of like and then came Saved by the Bell. <laughs> So um, so I was aware of Power Rangers and actually thought they were pretty cool. I thought that that was really unique and interesting because I didn't see uh, superheroes that were diverse and young and fun at the time. It felt interesting and it felt different. But then when I graduated school and I started getting into entertainment and realizing that I wanted to write, um, I kind of just floated around. I worked at FX. I worked at HBO. And I just ended up at Saban Brands, which had just bought back Power Rangers. And I'd never worked in kids space before. But what I really loved about it was uh that it's like uh, there's what fx and hbo are doing is amazing and i learned so much from those creators but kids when you do kids entertainment you take on a different kind of responsibility especially when they're superheroes uh because kids uh have no sense of this is a tv show Right. Uh, they, they see their favorite characters, and that's who they are, and it's real life for them. And so there's a little bit of a responsibility with Power Rangers that felt different than what anybody else was doing at the time. And... Um, and I and I really connected to that, and I had a lot of fun with that. But I had zero, I had no idea. what I I, I was I was one of the people that was just like Power Rangers is still a thing. Like I had no idea. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, that we're at like you know 500 episodes now, and and we're having like you know we're coming off on our 18th season, and there's you know 100 different Rangers. And so in six months, it was my job to edit together the franchise bible. So by the end of the six <laughs> months, it was like the boot camp that was all boot camps. I like by the by the end of my career with Power Rangers, I was the lore master for Power. Rangers, like I knew everything about everything. Now, do I still remember it all? I don't know, but um, but yeah, I could tell you every team, every sword, every formation, everything. And so, <laughs> the good and bad part of that is that you put me into a new licensed program, that is like my initial, that's my instinct. To be like, okay, I'm writing this character. Where's where's everything that's ever been written about this character? Because I need to know everything that's ever happened. So it's a double edged sword because then that, that's how I end up reading 200 pages for an eight page story. Yeah, <laughs> but but I I fully appreciate
0: that like deep dive research brain. I know Angelique has that. I have that. Like I just want to know all the things, even if I don't touch on 99.9 percent of them. Because who knows? Maybe next time you will. Which is?
1: Oh, maybe maybe it makes sense because that also like makes me think. So you talked about you know Spider Gwen at the beginning of this conversation, Ryan. Now it's just like, okay, if you read that many comics to put together an eight-page story, <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> <you're a> I <winner laughs> was very Marvel. tired
3: for a really long time. <laughs> no, because it's, it's just not... like so. Yeah.
1: One, how did Spider Gwen come about? And then, two, like we've seen a lot of Spider Gwen like out there, but this is unique and different. Like, t- talk to me about where we find Spider Gwen.
3: Yeah. Well, so Ellie Pyle reached out, who's also an incredible editor over at Marvel, and her and MR Daniel, they are amazing as well, uh, asked me if I would be interesting and interested in doing something for Marvel Infinity for the voices group and so i i did a five i'm still doing a five or six six part mini series of echo for them and uh really had a really great time with that it was really it was a new medium it was really i'd never done vertical scrolling comics before so that was an interesting challenge and again i read everything i could about echo and um and i really i love finding things in previous runs that inspire me and so in uh women of marvel with america it was the whole idea of the starlings and her losing her powers and with echo it was the whole phoenix song book where uh she met river and she was on the res and and so i kind of piggybacked on that and so um we had such a good time working on it and so as that was coming to a close i was just very fortunate and they said hey we, we're going to do a spider Gwen mini series would you be interested in working on that and i said are you freaking kidding <laughs> what do you mean yes and I, I think i screamed and i embarrassed myself quite profusely in front of a public crowded place um and could not tell anybody why but um but it was yeah it was uh, i mean I, I loved i've always loved spider quinn so and again then it then it became of well we need a script very fast and it became a few sleepless nights as i looked at everything she had ever done again because as as um, there's there's a lot of Marvel books and it's hard to keep up <laughs> sometimes. So I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss <laughs> any. Just a little bit. <laughs> uh,
0: thinking about you, you get the assignment to do that Echo book for um, the Infinity comics, and that is mm-hmm. that as you mentioned, it's a, it's a whole different sort of format. Did you just read a bunch of Infinity comics? Did you deep, deep dive into that? Because I've read a lot of them and I see the different sometimes I don't want to call them tricks, but there's like really fun ways to thread a story along that is different from panel to panel work.
3: Yeah, it was it was interesting because when I first started writing it, I was writing it like a regular script and and i was thinking in pages and i'm like what am i doing there's no pages they just it just goes up and down and so i had to kind of just rewire my brain a little bit and um what i never wanted i'm I'm, i come from prose and i come from tv right so i i write probably a little more than an artist would care to have uh but um but i always try to make it feel like opportunities instead of direction if that makes sense and and so what i would try to do is provide opportunities for the artist uh to get creative if if he wanted to and so um so i think the opening panels uh, take place um again vertically because new york is a it takes the starts in new york and so you have a skyline and so i really tried to you know connect the dots and that you know you see her jumping off a water tower and then ending up in an alley and so how do you want to take that and so i really tried to make sure when i was crafting these scenes that um they attributed themselves to um vertical dimension as opposed to horizontal so i tried to avoid big crowd scenes that are going to require you know a double page spread um i really wanted to try and uh and keep everything up and down and um And in doing that, I I also, um, I I purposely moved away from New York and I went into different spaces so that way there was more room for them to play, if that makes sense. But it was really interesting to me because then I started writing, um, by the time I got to like issue six, it felt very natural to just do like 30 panels without thinking about page and just keeping the pacing in my head and making sure I knew what the pacing looked like in terms of act structure and all that, but not really focus on the pages of it all, but the panels. I love
0: the craft of it all, and I, I'm I'm glad that we're we're really into that space, and it's continuing to evolve. And our all of our storytellers are are doing oh, some really fun it's, stuff.
3: It's amazing. I, I looked at so many different uh, comics on the site. I just love that everybody approaches it so differently.
0: Let's get back to to the Spider Gwen of it all because, um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's key because as you mentioned, Melissa, there's there's a ton of stories now that um Gwen has been in. She's also known as ghost Spider at times. And like this there's also an interesting thing because I have a four year old daughter and she loves ghost Spider. Like she was, ghosty, as she calls her, at New York Comic-Con last year. And she, she like, tells stories. I have a mask for her. I have web shooters. She's got all this stuff. So, like, there's generations that are coming up as this character is just, like, part of their DNA. And it's beautiful. And so we're getting so much out there. Um, But in the comics, she's she's at actually a very specific point. Where is she when you Mm -hmm. start to pick up your story?
3: She's home. She's in her home dimension. And she's just come off this really bombastic, uh, cross-dimensional whirlwind uh, with a bunch of other Spider-Gwen clones. And what really inspired me um, about this one specifically is one, I feel like we haven't really dug into her connection to music too much. Um, and, I, and I really am fascinated by her connection to the Mary Janes, her friends, uh, specifically Mary Jane. And, um, and I kind of love, that um based on what i've read and what i've seen the place she feels the least at home at is her home dimension and so she's stuck there and forced to deal with ghost spider and the mary janes like what does that become um and so it becomes kind of a um, there's no I, I don't think the stakes are smaller but i think it's more of a personal journey for for gwen because she's forced to kind of be in this world where before she could just go and leave and be a superhero and and bond with all these other spiders but um and that's one side of her that i felt she's really connected to but what about the other side of her what about the band side of her what about the girl that once dreamed of being a rock star who is she um where has she become why why do this mary janes keep giving her chances to come back to the band and um and, and that's kind of where we take this character she's just feeling really sorry for herself and a little annoyed because she kind of doesn't want to be here and yet she did promise her dad she'd stick around for a little bit and so i wanted to give her something to love about being in her home dimension because i feel like she's earned that at this point it's just going to take a few issues for her to get there
1: (laughs) well and the other cool thing about being in a home dimension is that we get a chance to see more of that and more yeah. of her relationships and more of her evolution you know I'm kind of curious um are there going to be any other characters that we should expect to be making appearances in this series like other yes. character variants
3: yes I don't know if I'm allowed to say who though <laughs> I was given the opportunity to pitch a few and and there was a few that I'm really excited about but I mean obviously we see my Jeans. I will tell you one I don't think anybody can yell at me for it um we get we get to play with Dazzler Ooh. which is really fun and yeah. and i get to because uh, uh, she goes on tour with dazzler and um and yes. and having that dynamic is really fun because the way the way i i see dazzler in this dimension is this really like britney spears-esque like pop starry fun just vibes and a total badass and i think that's going to be really fun She's such a nice little—I don't want to say foil for Gwen because they're not enemies here, but um, but definitely the contrast and how they approach things is very different. And I love this like spine of steel that Dazzler has that she kind of lends to Gwen. Um, I think you need somebody a little bit who's a little more at home with being being in their skin, especially when it relates to music. And I think Gwen's going to really respond to that in a really fun way. Yeah,
0: I love that. Um, I I've. I'm a big music guy. I go to a lot of shows, been in places with bands and vans and stuff like that. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten in a van with with like friends who are in a band and and gone to the gig? Cause it's
3: gross. I, I have not done that. I, I have friends that are musicians, uh, but I live in LA, so they kind of all just stay here. Um, <laughs> um, but what I really loved about the, the idea that they said four part miniseries, I'm like, oh, a city each issue and and so it was a matter of of picking the cities i I was thinking initially world tour and then i scale it down to america so we're doing uh new york uh chicago los angeles and vegas because those are big fun venues where you could do a lot of damage and then
0: so this is our 65 right do you get to do you get to like sort of think about what these cities Function like, or or are they really just like places for us to have our cool adventures.
3: Well, what's really interesting to me, and which I think I think is is fun, but also um, I, I'd love to try and clarify is that up until this moment, like up until most recently, like I I was reading and it said Earth sixty five, like they don't seem to have the coolest monsters or superheroes. <laughs> it tends to be pretty low key as opposed to six one six. And so, and I think now I feel like that's starting to change. You're seeing a lot more of these incredible, like Silk and all these incredible Sue Storm, these these villains and heroes come out of the woodwork and kind of change what that world looks like. And that's kind of what I like about it. So I feel like we're seeing something that's that's very low-key and a little bit samey, but you're seeing it at the start of what hopefully and um, is, is an era of change. For this for this world because you're starting to see superheroes kind of just come out and villains come out and uh and be a little more badass and not you know i'm just here to try to trip over this bodega <laughs> and so um so we'll see honestly like i i really wanted to take the personality i chose those cities specifically because these are all cities that i've been to i was born in chicago i live in la um i have had a lot of experience in las vegas and i freaking love new york and so i really wanted to uh lend each personality to these cities and and have that mean something in a different way um but we'll see we'll see I'm, i'm definitely having fun there's a lot of different aspects that i think that can really make this miniseries feel unique.
1: Okay. I'm just, I'm just excited because it's just one of those things where when people love a character, they want to know more of the nuance of who they are, why they are what they are. And there's always these stories and I kind of heard it in your description earlier, these stories where it's like, but you're running from something and we're going to need you to face it. And then you're like, yeah, so we're going to do a world tour to do that. And we're, gonna have music
3: and we're gonna stick you with your band that you can't run away from this time and um because usually that's what she does she just gets to run away and do ghost spider stuff but uh but now she's she stuck on a tour with them and she kind of has to deal with it and um the last time her and mary jane had issues with dealing stuff carnage came out so <laughs> there's
1: no big deal no, no big yeah deal.
3: There, there's 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 stuff they need to work on and um and I really do love that I'm fascinated by the Mary Jane and Gwen friendship because I feel like there's so much yearning from Mary Jane and so much resentment that Gwen is not the friend that she wants her to be and um and I think Gwen I don't know if Gwen feels like she's capable of being that friend but she wants so badly to be seen that way and and I just love that that little bit of heartbreak in there, you know, because I think friendships are so important for the people that when you when when you knew them before, and we knew as you change as a person, and you still have these people in your lives, you have to figure out how to adjust if you're going to stay friends. And I think um, putting them on a tour together, where Gwen is forced to be both Gwen Stacy and the Ghost Spider, but not leave, is um, is, is kind of the perfect vehicle for, vehicle for that, especially when you surround it with music, which is what made them be f- connect in the first place. And so I've been having a lot of fun writing lyrics and really just getting into um, the zen of what it feels like when you disappear into a beat.
1: So I gotta know, like, it, you're you're writing lyrics. This is this about a world tour? You know, do you have a playlist? Is like, do you like sit down and you're like, this is what gets me in the mood, or is it just? I
3: have playlists for every single thing I write. Are they public? No. <laughs> <laughs> give us a,
0: give us a taste. Give us a taste. What, what's what's on your your Spider Gwen t- playlist?
3: Uh, let me see. There is uh, Starships <laughs> by Nicki Minaj uh okay moon dance by van morrison
0: nice. yes mom
3: by tessa violet wow. bang by agr neon moon a lot of Black Pink. a lot of david bowie uh the primitives just a bunch of different stuff
1: wow uh, that is it's good and diverse uh, yeah it,
3: it
1: it all makes sense and yet it is all over the
3: place <laughs> garbage cherry lips my garbage is on here yeah <laughs> that's yeah, one of my there's, favorite
1: there's, songs i'm oh, sorry so
3: good. Yeah, "Disturbia" by Rihanna because I just love that vibe, that whole vibe. So yeah, it's I, I have a very eclectic. I I grew up singing and I don't sing anymore because um, I've lost my range because I just never did it anymore. Um, but I uh, I'm still so inspired by music in so many different ways. And you know, I played guitar, I played the saxophone, I played the trumpet. I don't play any of those things anymore, and I think I mourn it because. Hmm. Um, because I, I, there's an escape when you, like, it's almost meditative. And um, and I, I feel like that's what I'm connecting to with Gwen when it comes to drums. Because I feel like there's so much inside of her. Like, especially um, in into the Spider-Verse, where you had that opening scene where she's just lost in the frustration with her drum set. And you just feel that this is how she's getting it all out. I feel like um, that was very quintessential. Gwen and I kind of really tapped into that, and I kind of um want to see where it goes when it comes to that because you can play drums by yourself, but there's something magical when you're when you're with a band and the music just comes together, and and you create something together. It's um you know you can liken it to a comic book, right? Where you have a writer and an artist and an editor and a colorist and a letterer and everything could be brilliant on its own, but it doesn't become a, a comic until it's together. And the same thing um with music with a song right you have you can be the best drummer in the world and that's great um and you can be the best singer in the world and that's great but um it doesn't become a song until everybody works together especially in a live setting and there's there's a magic when the harmony hits and and when the when the beat drops and and when the guitar riffs come in and you just feel it like i don't don't know how to explain it um but like there is, there is a, a meditative zen and euphoria that happens. And I feel like that is where you Gwen feels like she could belong. Yeah. And I think that's why she's chasing the band so much, even though it causes her so much frustration. I love it. And I just... really
0: Yeah, this is, this is so exciting. I, I did want to connect what you were talking about, that collaborative feeling that a band has and that... You have when you're making a comic, when you're putting together any sort of cool art production that is, is, is full of a whole bunch of people coming together with their ideas. Um, you have Anid Balaam working on, on this yes. series with you, who's so good. I like um, he had posted a uh, just a Spider-Gwen like, picture. I think it might have been before the announcement or right around the announcement. It's like, heck yeah. <laughs> oh, it
3: uh, blows my mind every single time that these these people these artists and and he is so freaking talented and um and i'm so grateful because uh otherwise i'm just handing over a script and it doesn't look very good that's not going to sell the pages you know and nothing it is nothing without the artists to come in and, and create these beautiful worlds and imagine them in incredible ways and put the humanity inside these faces and these bodies and, um, and I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful. And, and if not for the editors who, who look at it and be like, Hey, you're missing a big thing here. Can you please make this clearer? And, you know, it, it's, um, every single person is so important. The letterers, the colorists, it's the, the cover artists. Like there is, there is something so magical in the comic book space that I feel like you don't see in other mediums. Um, and it's because everything is so personal to each and every person you're, who's working on it in a really fun and interesting way. Nice. I'm I'm just honestly honored and excited. I truly, truly never would have dreamed that um, I'd be writing for Marvel one day, and I am so thankful and grateful which each and every opportunity. Like, I, I, I was ready to die happy when I was doing that, when I did that one story in the Women in Marvel uh, anthology. So to be able to do every, every project that is given to me, I am eternally grateful and just want to do the best job I possibly can.
0: Love it.
1: Well, thank you. And my heart. (laughs) That was Melissa Flores, writer of Spider-Gwen Smash. Spider-Gwen Smash is on sale this December. To learn more, head over to our favorite place and your favorite place, marvel.com.
0: Alrighty, it is time for community section aka this week in messages. And so next week on the show, I mentioned earlier, the Hasbro team is gonna have their fan stream. Well, we're gonna follow up with them, our our favorites over there. We're gonna have Ryan Ting and Dwight Stahl from Hasbro, as well as Jesse Falcon on the Marvel side to talk about what they revealed, what's going on, what's coming up. So, with that in mind, a simple, fun question what are your favorite Marvel Legends figures? There's obviously hundreds to so choose many. from. Just so many. Hundreds to choose from. Do
1: you, do you have a favorite?
0: Well, uh, you know, I'm going to go with um, the Modocs. There's you know the, the the two versions of Modok that were released. Okay. Those are That's well, the, I should there. say three versions of Modok. There's the original one, which is the build a figure, and then the two that were more recently released. Um, they are perfection. Then I would say the Sugar Man build a figure, which is also perfection.
1: So I'm just gonna go with two new ones that I really love, and one you have to collect them all. Uh, I am very much in love with the Cosmo, uh, mainly because I opened up. I opened up my the Destroyer, and it was just like a Cosmo pod. Yes. And I was like, I must have the rest of Cosmo now. Yes. Uh, and the other one, because I just love that they did it, and this is like the detail and the love that goes into Marvel Legends. But the Jessica Drew from across the Spider-Verse. Yes. It's just badass. Yeah. Her hair is perfection.
0: It is, it is wonderful. Uh, I just had to look at my other shelf. There's a Mojo over there, which I love, a Thanos, which I love. There's a I'm Nova. I'm going to need you to show
1: me that Dupe,
0: though. He's so perfect. He really He's, is. Yeah, I mean, Dupe is clearly, He's gonna I mean, be Dupe is
1: there. the smartest one on, the, on that team, by the way. The aesthetics are a lot, but Dupe, Dupe's a real MVP.
0: Yeah, so good. We could go on and on about our favorite Marvel but Legends figures. Because we have to stop. Because we need to, to hear from you. We yes. have
1: to tell us what your favorite Marvel Legends is, uh, you can use the hashtag This Week in Marvel, email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com, or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Marvel. And please make sure to tell us it is okay to read Twim on the show. We got some answers from last week. So last week's question of the week is, who would be in your Marvel band or musical group? I'm ready for it. Let's go.
0: All right, Super Seven Five at Super Seven Five says, "My Marvel supergroup would be Monica Lynn on vocals, Rick Ooh. Jones on lead guitar, Spider Gwen on drums, and Luke Cage on bass. Luke was shown playing bass on the back cover of Spider Man Rock Reflections. That is like what? the m- deepest cut. If anybody has never listened to Spider Man Rock Reflections, it is out there. You can find it. You can hear it. It is pure glory."
1: You know what? That that is yes, Monica Lynn. Um, so we have Max Loram at my own underscore voice, a metal group with David, <laughs> a metal group with David Hellstrom, guitar, Ghostwriter bass, Hulk drums, and Black Bolt voice. Obviously, <laughs> is that obvious? Um, with Mephisto as their manager, he knows how to draw a contract. They would be killing it. Yes, literally. I would also love to listen to Squirrel Girl do pop folk. Huh. <laughs>
0: uh, mccall 1267 at Macaw1267 tweeted I would have Howard the Duck in my band, for I do believe he would make a great guitar player. Uh, that is yeah. a proven fact. Proven fact. He shreds, definitely.
1: Uh, Eugenio Marquez at Eugenio Marquez. Marvel Band equals. Correct. Dazzler on vocals. Siren plays the keyboards and does the backing vocals. Dazzler glows. Northstar is the fastest drummer alive. And Multiple Man plays the guitar because obviously one of his dupes knows it.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised no one said just a group of all Multiple Man. So it's all Jamie playing every instrument. And like, He would know how to play every instrument well because he would send them out and get that knowledge and blah, blah, blah. So, like, I could totally see the, the, like, the magic. That also makes
1: me feel, feel like Legion could just pipe his music into your brain. Whoa, yeah. Okay, anyway, let's not get off track.
0: Yeah uh olokin at olokin prime tweeted a two-person group featuring the banshees sean and Teresa, uh, which is of course banshee and siren and guido should be the road manager with his experience handling lina cheney he's perfect that is such a great answer olokin thank you for that one
1: Urbe doratio at erbe excelsior uh luna snow and her k-pop girl group 4L1T in a spectacular K-pop concert along with Gwyn Stacy, AKA Ghost Spider on drums and Hobie Brown, AKA Spider Park on guitars. Somebody brought my baby in and I'm yeah. very
0: happy. Over on Facebook, Chris Burseth sent us a message saying who would be in your Marvel band? It would be a blackened ska core band consisting of Dazzler on melodic vocals, Banshee on screaming vocals, Jono Starsmore on guitar, uh, a.k.a. Chamber, uh, Drax on sax, Eric Blade Brooks on trumpet, and Ghost Spider Gwen Stacy on drums. SkaCore. It's just wild. Anyway, we got to wrap it up because we have a Marvel Insider code. The code is MARVEL.
1: Yeah, so you got to go on to the Marvel, go on to uh, the activities, go to Twim, and then type in the word Marvel.
0: Yeah, I get those okay, points. Not with all
1: those A's, just M A R V E L. Yes. Yeah. Less A's than I said it.
0: Uh, one little programming update next week. We're going to release our episode a little bit later. It's still going to come out on Friday, but it's going to come out a little bit later on Friday because we've got some very cool hands on first Exclusively type news that we're going to be sharing, and so uh, we're working on a very specific time, so if you don't see the episode as soon as you wake up on Friday morning next week, do not fret. It is coming. It'll be there. We promise.
1: And that's it. That's a wrap. We're done. We want to yeah. thank Melissa Flores for being on, and uh, I want to thank Dupe for being Dupe.
0: <laughs> well, dupes always Dupe. This episode of This Week in Tomorrow is produced by Jasmine Estrada, Isabel Robertson, Angelique Roche, and Ryan Panagos.
1: Our senior manager, audio production, and development is Brad Barton.
0: And yeah, you know what? Special thanks to Duke for being Duke.
1: Yeah, no one else. I'm Ryan. I'm Angelique.
0: This is Marvel.
1: Your universe.